Welcome to EU Code Week podcasts. We bring coding, computational thinking, robotics, and innovation closer to you, your community, and your school. Hello, everyone, and welcome. These are your hosts speaking, Eugenia Casariego and Ariana Vlasic. With this series of podcasts, we'd like to contribute to changing the education in Europe and adapting it to a society that is getting more and more digitalized. And also, we are part of the EU Code Week team and are passionate about digital technologies, teaching and education. In this episode, we are going to talk about the risk of artificial intelligence. We have already talked about AI in schools in another episode of our podcast series. AI refers to computer systems that apply intelligent behavior in order to solve problems, but I'm sure you all know that uh, AI is everywhere in our daily lives. Just think about opening your phone with a face ID, think about smart homes, or think about recommendations you get on the internet. AI is used in our everyday lives. However, there are a lot of benefits, but also challenges of AI. So today we are going to look at some risks and we will discuss some possibilities to prevent or minimize those risks. Indeed, but we actually wanted to discuss this topic with actually an expert, one of our Codewick ambassadors from Albania, Mariana priftis Kenduli. Mariana, very good morning. I hope you're doing well. Um, how are you this morning? Uh, very quickly, something about myself. My name is Mariana Priftiskanduli. I'm an assistant professor in computer science at the University of New York, Tirana, in Albania. Uh, my research interests lie primarily in the artificial intelligence and machine learning domain, spanning natural language processing, pattern recognition, and uh, data mining. My recent research work is tightly connected with the opinion mining and sentiment analysis of microblogging texts. And this is something I have materialized through extensive publications. But I feel myself very much connected to the research conducted at the intersection between AI and social and behavior sciences. In my free time, I volunteer as an EU Code Week ambassador for Albania. This is actually a mission I'm very, very proud of. Uh, I joined EU Code Week back in 2018, and since then it has become really a mission and part of my everyday life. I always take a chance to introduce AI to other communities which are not necessarily present in universities or uh, schools, to every age, to every single gender, to every person that has, let's say, a passion or has the need to know more about technology. I strictly believe that technology stands a chance to revolutionize and make our lives better. And this is something I advocate in every single possible way in my everyday life and work. This is the reason why we want to bring AI and coding and programming technology in general to our listeners, to our schools, to our teachers and students as part of the EU Code Week. So speaking of AI, we've heard that there are a lot of benefits of AI, but what are the risks? 
the problem starts actually with the lack of an officially agreed definition of AI. If we were to actually ask different people from different target groups, uh, they will have a different perception or definition of AI. And the fact that scientists have not yet come up with an exact definition of AI and the fact that the field is currently and constantly being redefined with new topics being added and others leaving the umbrella of AI uh, has made the whole landscape very complex, to say the truth. So that being said, it's very difficult then to kind of create awareness and educate masses about the risks and the advantages of AI. However, sharing a common ground and taking and agreeing actually on a uh, general AI definition as the one that you gave before, I would say that the fact or the topic that or the limitation that um, basically sits on the top of the list when we talk about AI issues or limitations is the algorithmic bias. In the early days, we were talking about limitations such as computational resources, and, and everyone was talking about AI being so data-hungry and so computationally expensive. But um, today, the list is a bit shifted completely upside down, and it looks like algorithmic bias sits the top of the list when we talk about risks. And that also conveys an important um, message to educators, technologies, policymakers, uh, with regards to making people aware of the black box technology that sits behind an AI uh, solution. AI, and in particular machine learning, being an important component of AI, is being used to make uh, nowadays important decisions in many sectors. And this brings up the concept of algorithmic bias. Um, what it means is the embedding of a tendency to discriminate according ethnicity, gender, or other factors when making decisions such as for instance, job applications nowadays are um, massively handled by AI-powered solution. Algorithmic bias isn't anymore a hypothetical threat that is simply conceived or talked about by academic researchers. Instead, it's a real phenomena. And last but not least, um, another limitation of AI, which I strictly... Um, want to uh, emphasize is the risk of fabricating evidence to a whole new level. Uh, we are sort of inclined as human beings to believe what we see. And personally speaking, on a personal note, um, I share a creed, which is that of Carl Sagan. I don't want to believe, I want to know, right? So, we're used to believing what we see. When we see a leader on a TV stating that their country will engage in a trade war with another country, or when a well-known company spokesman announces an important business decision, we tend to trust them better than just reading about the statement um, on, a, on their uh, official websites or official media. All right, Mariana, so you just now mentioned quite a comprehensive list of the risk of AI and just give us kind of a rundown of what we can expect when we deal with artificial intelligence. But 
Some of our listeners here may wonder, what are actually some of the potential solutions to these risks that you've mentioned, or how can we actually take action to, to mitigate these risks? You may have probably heard about the algorithmic authority, which is sort of taking over the institutional authorities. And not because people are not anymore aware of it, but sometimes you don't have a chance to choose among the two. So the solution to this sort of problem is just awareness, getting to know more about how solutions that take over certain aspects of our lives are being modeled, are being designed, and then fight for ethical standards and, and ask for those ethical standards to be in place. Social networks as well are becoming a source of uh, this algorithmic bias spreading because most of the data that are being generated on social media, for instance, are, are you being used to sort of create content recommendation solutions. And basically, these recommendations that are being uh, collected are pertaining to a, a bunch of users or to a target a community of users. Their clicks are being uh, refined and used for recommendation solutions, but they can easily lead to sort of magnifying existing biases. And that uh, complicates a, a bit more the whole picture, especially considering that people nowadays spend a lot of time on social media and that is becoming actually a must in many uh, aspects of our lives. When I talk about uh, algorithmic bias and ethical concerns, um, sometimes we can put it as a societal perspective as well. I cannot leave out of this discussion the work of the EU organization uh, or institution, if you want, uh, in achieving transparency through regulation. So awareness and uh, education has led actually to a major step towards transparency. And in this umbrella, the European General Data Protection Regulation, the so-called GDPR, is actually one of the biggest milestones in Europe with regards to building transparency through regulation. And what they are doing and trying to promote through GDPR is exactly enforcing companies that deal with data, creating awareness among users uh, so that they can fight for rights of access, rights to be forgotten, and rights to get an explanation. The last point, actually, without going too deep into that, is, in other words, uh, telling us that companies such as Facebook and Google, who are sort of dominating uh, the virtual arena, um, at least when providing service to European yes. users, they must explain their algorithmic decision-making and um, however, it's not very clear what exactly counts as an explanation. But again, it's the first step and it is absolutely one of the best achievements of the EU. The fact that we have GDPR and we can actually fight for our rights when it comes to transparency and regulation. When it comes to algorithmic bias uh, and schools, I can also remind our listeners of what happened last year in the UK with the UK exam results. So the decisions were made by the black box, uh, the algorithms, and many students were not allowed to or were not able to enroll at universities of their choice, and also their results were downgraded. 
it is important to raise awareness and also increase uh, AI's accountability and transparency. Another serious implication that comes along with the implementation and the widespread of AI is the changing notion of privacy. It has been long known that technology companies collect a lot of information about their users. Earlier, it was mainly grocery stores and other retailers that collected buying uh, data by giving their customers loyalty cards and enabling the stores to sort of associate purchases to individual customers. However, as such, the above kind of data logging is not yet AI. The use of AI will lead to new kinds of threats to our privacy. And one of these uh, privacy concerns or threats is um, the ability to de-anonymize people, breaking the anonymity of data that we may have thought to be safe. The basic problem is that when we report the results of an analysis, for instance, the results may be so specific that they make it possible to learn something about individual users whose data is included in the analysis. And a classic example, for instance, is asking for the average salary of people that were born in a given year and having a specific zip code. In many cases, this sort of analysis could be uh, an analysis of a very small group of people and it might be potentially easy to unveil their identity. Of course, we are aware of the possibility of fabricating fake evidence. People can be put in places they never visited uh, with people they never met by photoshopping and this is something that is not anymore new. But it's also possible to change the way things look by simply adjusting lighting or pulling uh, things apart in an in a image or in a video. So uh, just to keep it short, AI is offering us a very wide range of technologies and approaches um, and therefore uh, allowing us to fabricate evidence to a whole new level. Let me bring here some examples to make the conversation a bit more realistic. Face-to-face, -face, for instance, is a system which is capable of identifying the facial expressions of a person and then putting them on another person's face in a YouTube video. Thank you for those very uh, insightful examples, uh, Mariana, as well for the concrete uh, list of uh, risk and also limitations of AI. I think that was a very comprehensive, um, you know, view of AI, and, and and I think it was very interesting. We want as well with this episode, with this podcast, to bring it a bit closer to schools, to students, and to teaching in general. And so, in the next section of the recording, we want to talk a bit more about this and. How do you raise awareness for these risks and for these limitations? How do you work with your students uh, in your lectures and how do you raise awareness about this very important topic? There are easy ways to learn how to teach AI, no matter the grade level or subject. It starts with the educator who has to feel comfortable integrating the topic of AI into learning. Educators can waive the fundamental concepts of AI, like learning about data science and ethical design into the classroom. And this allows students to, to understand the potential impact of AI now and in the future. In my everyday work, I 
teach to undergraduate students and actually I feel that they have a lot of questions and they are eager to get to know about AI. And in most of the cases, the end of the course is actually very, very interesting because it sort of shows us to the classroom and to myself every time I teach an AI course how students' perception with regards to AI has dramatically changed. So from that science uh, fiction-inspired perception, it goes to a more scientifical, scientific and, and theoretical grounded uh, perception. And they also uh, learn to appreciate uh, that AI is actually technology that can be used to make impact, to create societal impact. But also my perception is that we need to start educating and creating awareness about AI early on. And we need to prepare also teachers of um, different levels, K-12 level as well, to embrace technology and to start eventually teach AI in different matters, in different courses, different subjects. I would say that AI should not start as an isolated course, because if you put it this way, then it will be a very difficult uh, task for, um, let's say, a high school teacher. Rather than that, I would go for the infusion of AI education, and that should happen across different curriculas in math, science, music, uh, or library classes, why not? So a similar approach can be taken by just um, uh, in embedding AI and talking about AI to different students in different levels, whether they are looking for patterns or trying to break problems into parts or decoding words, whatever uh, is the problem or the domain, uh, that teachers are going to be um, unveiling to their students, um, it might be interesting actually um, to, to infuse there and to use AI. So my sort of um, um, advice would be, let's not make AI become the topic or a topic. It's not a separate thing. It just needs to be integrated into every single discipline. And specifically, kids and teenagers need to understand the role of AI and ethical considerations because they will be the ones in charge of implementing AI. They need to be aware of the biases. They need to be aware of the limitations. And instead... Uh, consult sources which are scientifically proven and also uh, be also and keep it real, right? Because by consulting only certain articles uh, on media, there's a lot of uh, room for actually misinterpretation. If I may say, uh, the, your message to our listeners, to all the teachers out there, is that uh, they shouldn't be afraid. They should give it a try and uh, teach AI because AI is all around us. Students use it on a daily basis, so we need to raise awareness of uh, its benefits but also its risks. So now that we heard a bit more about the impact of AI in society at large, um, we want to bring it a bit closer to our audience, to our listeners. 
How can teachers start uh, working with their students at school? Can you give us some concrete examples and ideas? So you've created one of the learning bits of Code Week, which I remind my, the audience that learning bit is a short training module that includes three lesson plans and a video. So Mariana here has um, developed a learning bit on the topic of AI. So I recommend our listeners to go to our website and check it out. But aside from that, Mariana, what are some teaching tips and recommendations uh, to introduce AI in the K-12 classrooms that you can tell or share with our listeners? Oh, yeah. My actually everyday experience teaching is a bit different because I deal with uh, more adult groups, but uh, still it helps me actually often contemplate what can be done differently. And how can we work with these students uh, five years back in time so that by the time they reach university, they have a much more robust uh, understanding of what AI technology or uh, related uh, knowledge are. So uh, it might be a way to follow, for instance, or a tip to follow from uh, teachers trying to analyze historical events and social studies by using um, AI evidence. Or uh, sometimes in elementary school, teachers may use AI to kind of uh, provide, feed, uh, provide patterns, right? Uh, viewing patterns or visualizing concepts might be really interesting and it might be a way for students to grasp concepts much more easily. In other ways, I may think about teaching sequencing skills that are somehow associated with literacy instruction or engaging math classrooms with content around algorithms and data. So trying to sort of push those traditional math concepts a bit further uh, and, and try to challenge our, our students um, early on with concepts that might not necessarily sound fitting for their age, looking back at our um, traditional schooling system. So it might not always be early to talk about algorithms in the elementary grade. It might not be early to talk about um, machine learning and classification in high school or uh preschool, uh, sorry, high school or element, uh, upper uh, school. Uh, but still, uh, bringing those concepts um, into uh, their tables and bringing to, to students in a very easy and illustrative way. So now that we've taken a look together on how we can actually bring AI to our schools and to our school planning, then I wonder a bit further. So what do you think is the future of artificial intelligence in education? What do you think this looks like? AI and education uh, are tightly connected with one another. And um, we are going to be actually uh, leaving an era where AI and education are going to be uh, strictly connected. Um, but it's not only about learning uh, and, and preparing for AI, but it's also about learning with AI, uh, using AI-powered tools in classrooms, and also um, learning about AI in terms of technologies and, and techniques. So if I can break it down into three pillars, uh, this coexistence between AI and education is going to be exactly about learning with AI, learning about AI, 
and preparing for AI. If we manage to tackle these three important objectives um, in different levels of the um, educational system, then we are probably going to be very successful in preparing the generations of the future. Because the goal is for now, as I see it, to contribute to mainstreaming both the human and technical aspects of AI. And this is something we can achieve not only by relying to the uh, default schooling system, but also by um, creating, boosting, and also uh, uh, and, and supporting also financially, but not only, initiatives such as EU Code Week or other training programs for school students uh, so that we can really come up with um, realistic targets and, and achieve objects in the long run. I think that was a good way, a good conclusion no, to, to the episode and to a good uh, last message. So thank you very much for, for joining us today, Mariana. Thank you for your insights on, on this very important topic. So thank you very much for joining us, um, Mariana. Today. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to come back here. Thank you. And once again, I invite our listeners to check out the learning bit that Mariana contributed to with the fantastic lesson plans on the topic of artificial intelligence. Just go to our website, codeweek.eu, where you'll as well find several resources and several materials that will help you um, start your coding journey. See you next time for a new episode of our Code Week podcast with some interesting facts on coding and digital technologies in education. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you.